According to Wikipedia, the term cult usually refers to a social group defined by its religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, or its common interests in a particular personality, object, or goal. The term itself is controversial, and it has divergent definitions in both popular culture and academia. And it has also been an ongoing source of contention among scholars across several fields of study. In the sociological classifications of religious movements, a cult is a social group with socially deviant or novel beliefs and practices, although this is often unclear. Other researchers present a less organized picture of cults on the basis that cults arise spontaneously around novel beliefs and practices. Groups said to be cults range in size from local groups with a few members to international organizations with millions. Beginning in the 1930s, cults became the object of sociological study in the context of the study of religious behavior. From the 1940s, the Christian counterculture movement has opposed some of the sects in the new religious movements and has labeled them cults for their unchristian, unorthodox beliefs. The secular anti-cult movement began in the 1970s, and it opposed certain groups, often charging them with mind control, and partially motivated in reaction to acts of violence committed by some of their members. Some of the claims and actions of the anti-cult movements have been disputed by scholars and by news media, leading to further public controversy. The term new religious movement refers to religions which has appeared you know, uh, since the mid-1800s. Many, but not all of them, have been considered to be cults. The subcategories of cults include doomsday cults, political cults, destructive cults, racist cults, polygamous cults, and terrorist cults. Various national governments have reacted to cult-related issues in different ways, and this has sometimes led to controversy. But outside of that controversy, you know, it's it's sort of the thing that, that kind of grabs me about cults is it's so other. Like, cults happen to other people. It's something outside yourself. And when I think of the first time I really interacted with, like, the idea of, like, what a cult was, it was, it was really the Heaven's Gate cult. I was, I think I was about 16 or 17 when that came on the news. And I remember just finding out about all these people that had, killed themselves so their souls could go to a UFO, which is just amazingly interesting and also tragic. And I, and I also sort of like wondered, like, how did, how did people get there? You know, of course there was the Waco thing too, um, but I, didn't, I wasn't really sure about like, was that a cult or not? And, and I'm not sure that that was like quite as insane seeming to me as, as the uh, Heaven's Gate, like Hell Bop suicide cult. But wait, hold up. Let's go back. Let's rewind just one second. What exactly was the Heaven's Gate cult? I mean, where, where did it even come from? Heaven's Gate was an American UFO religious millenarian cult, which means it was based on the millennium. Uh, it was based in San Diego, California, and it was actually founded in 1974 and led by Marshall Applewhite, um, who lived from 1931 to 1997, and Bonnie Nettles, who lived from 1927 
1985. Now, there's some stuff in between, but the tragic end was on March 26, 1997, when police discovered the bodies of 39 members of the group who had participated in a mass suicide in order to reach what they believed was an extraterrestrial spacecraft following the comet Hellbop. Now at this time, the group no longer exists, as its website states, Hellbop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on Earth is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with Ty's crew. I mean, holy shit. But like, who was this guy that led all these people? And where did he come from? Marshall Applewhite. He was the son of a Presbyterian minister and a former soldier. Um, he began his foray into biblical prophecy in the early 1970s. After being fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas, over an alleged homosexual relationship with one of his students, he met Bonnie Nettles, the other leader of the cult. She was a 44-year-old married nurse with an interest in uh, theological studies and biblical prophecy. And they met in 1972. According to Applewhite's writings, the two met in a psychiatric hospital where she worked during his stay there, and quickly they became close friends. Applewhite later recalled that he felt like he had known Nettles for a long time. And, you know, obviously concluded the only rational explanation that could come from that, and it was that they had met in a past life. Um, she told him in their meeting um, that she'd been foretold by extraterrestrials about the meeting, and that it was a divine assignment to be there with him. Applewhite and Nettles pondered the life of St. Francis of Assai, and read works by authors including Helena Blavatsky, Artie Lang, and Richard Bach. They kept a King James Bible with them, and studied several passages from the New Testament, where, you know, all the real fucking crazy shit is, focusing on the teachings of Christology, aestheticism, and eschatology. I don't even know what that last thing is, to be honest. Applewhite also read science fiction works, included uh, things like Robert A. Heinlein, Arthur C. Clarke. So this dude obviously had like an imagination, um, but he also believed that somebody he met in real life he had known in a past life, and so his imagination might have also been, you know, a lot of crazy imagination. But like after meeting, uh, by 1974, Applewhite and Nettles have basically been been working on, you know, what most people would consider like their business plan. But but at this point, they've they've sort of solidified their beliefs into a basic outline. They concluded that they'd been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies, and that been they'd been given higher level minds than other people because everybody else is a fucking idiot. Duh. 
They wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus's reincarnation as a Texan. I mean, duh. <laughs> a thinly veiled reference to Applewhite him, himself. I mean, if if I was going to write a new Bible with myself as the central lead character, you know, and I was going to like try and grab in a bunch of people to, to be drawn to it as well, I might as well just make Jesus a fucking Californian at this point that grew up in Nevada County that was in a rock band and also was really into coffee. And the reincarnation of Jesus um, also likes to roast coffee and do podcasts. Okay, I mean, this is this is all tongue-in-cheek. It's really sad. Like, a lot of people died. It's totally real. But also, come on, seriously? Jesus is from Texas? Okay. Continuing on. Um, furthermore, they concluded that there were two witnesses described in the book of Revelation. And occasionally visited uh, churches or other spiritual groups to speak of their identities, often referring to themselves as the two or the UFO too. They believed they would be killed and then restored to life in view of others, transported onto a spaceship. This event, which they referred to as the demonstration, was to prove their claims. To their dismay, these ideas were poorly received by existing religious communities because they were fucking crazy. <laughs> So after basically getting constantly rejected by existing religious communities because they were talking about being killed and then being restored and transported onto a spaceship in front of other Christian people, um, eventually Applewhite and Nettles resolved to contact the extraterrestrials themselves. And they also like sought out other like-minded followers because... Obviously, talking to people that already believed in something that sounded more rational than suicide space teleportation, you know, like, <sighs> listen, if you're going to talk about, like, things that you can and can't believe in, you know, the less tangible it is, probably, like, the more believable. It, almost, to some point. You know, like, if you were like, hey, there's a magic invisible dude that's out there, and he harnesses your magic powers and is filled with love and has a magic place for you after you die, and you won't know about any of it because it's magic, and it's so powerful and magical, you'll, you'll never be able to, like, prove it or disprove it. It's just all magic. That almost seems more plausible to me on some level then then you know if you just kill your physical body right now you will be teleported and brought back to life on a spaceship because because that sounds like if i just shot myself in the head while standing on the beach i'll wake up in a jet with a brand new body and that just doesn't sound possible on any level So they try to find these like minds. Um, 
They ended up publishing advertisements for meetings where they recruited disciples, whom they called <laughs> the crew. Um, at these events, they purported to represent beings from another planet, the next level, who sought participants for an experiment. They stated to those who agreed to take part in the experiment that they would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. And I mean, who doesn't want that? I want to be brought to a higher evolutionary level. I mean, I don't want to cut off my own shit and kill myself and wear like weird sneakers and have my body found. But like, I, you know, it might be cool to like be more evolved. Anyway, in 1975, during a group meeting with 80 people in Joan Culpepper's Studio City home, they shared their simultaneous revelation that they had been told that they were the two witnesses written into the Bible's story of the end of time. Now, there's a lot of different end of time stories for different religions, and they were claiming to be part of like the Bible's end of time story, um, where there's where there's apparently two witnesses. But, like, you know, a lot of religions have that end-of-time story. You know, like, uh, for example, you know, the whole Ragnarok thing for the Norse uh, religion back in the day. And, and you know, in, in Christian religion, Christians believe that the end-time represents some sort of big tribulation uh, where they have to experience those trials before becoming enlightened with the word of God and that there's this big like uh, coming of an antichrist who will like f you know bring back like the second coming of Christ and, and you know usher in the kingdom of God and in Islam there's the day of judgment which is preceded by the appearance of the Mahdi mounted on a white stallion anyway so there's always some sort of like end of the world thing in a lot of religions and it, and it and it gives people like this this pressure to make change to do things different to like act in ways in which they might not normally do if like you know tomorrow's the next day and the day after that's the next day and I'm just gonna get my coffee and do the thing but if like you know and only you know the truth about what's to come ooh the power So later, in 1975, the crew assembled at a hotel in Waldport, Oregon. And by the crew, I mean the crew, who was like their, their church, basically. After selling all worldly possessions and saying farewell to loved ones, the group vanishes from the hotel and from the public eye. That night, on the CBS Evening News, Walter Cronkite reported that the group had disappeared. And this is one of the very first national reports. Uh, on developing religious groups in general. Um, but also, it's one of the first reports on this particular group. And Walter Cronkite said something like, A score of persons have disappeared. It's a mystery whether they have been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply taken. Now, in reality, Applewhite and Nettles had arranged for the group to go underground. And I don't mean literally. I just mean disappear from the public eye and live terribly. 
from that point on, Doe and T, and, and earlier in the podcast I mispronounced it as Ty, um, as the two now call themselves, led the nearly 100-member crew across the country, sleeping in tents and sleeping bags and begging in the streets. They were evading detection by authorities and media, and this kind of enabled the group to focus on Doe and T's doctrine of helping the crew achieve a higher evolutionary level above human, to which they both, uh, obviously, claim to have already reached. Now I want to take a moment to just point out, like, and, 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 you know, I can, I can draw parallels to my own experience having been in a cult myself, that, that, Basically, what a cult does, and, and this little section that, that I just talked about, where I'm talking about, they, they gave up all the worldly possessions, and said farewell to their families, and then went through this rigmarole where they were like, basically, dodging the authorities and the media to live out this crazy life, and that allowed them to engage completely in the doctrine. The thing is, is that that's exactly what cults do. Basically, they take all the stuff that makes you, you. The stuff that makes you yourself, because the self is typically mutable. It's all the stuff around you. It's your connection to family. It's connection to the things you own. It's the connection to the job that you have. And and they take that away. And all that's left is the idea, the hierarchy, the doctrine, and the belief that they hand you. And at that point, because you have nothing left, you become the cold. And at that point, when there's nothing left for you, of course you're going to like go out there and proselytize this thing because you're all in, you're part of it. It is you. So of course, when you see somebody else and they're out there and they're not part of what you're doing, you want to save them. You want them to become like what you are because, because this is who you are. And it's so much better now because all that other stuff was really really confusing and hard and now you have somebody that has a definitive answer for you and you're not confused anymore and there's rules to follow the crew used numerous methods of recruitment as they toured the united states in destitution proclaiming the gospel of higher level metamorphosis the deceit of humans by false god spirits, the envelopment with sunlight for meditative healing, and the divinity of the UFO too. Throughout the late 1970s and early 80s, as their belief system developed around the cult of personalities, membership grew. I mean, that was the proselytization thing I was talking about. You give up everything, you become the thing, and you get really good at drawing people in because people that love you are still connected to you, but you're not connected to them in the same way. Some sociologists agreed that the popular movement of alternative religious experience and individualism found in collective spiritual experiences during that period helped contribute to the growth of the new religious movement. Um, it ended up becoming known as Shilisium. Um, that's one of the names that, that they were called uh, before they became Heaven's Gate. 
They also were known as human individual metamorphosis. Um, and there was some name thrown around about Applewhite because he believed he was directly related to Jesus that meant he was an evolutionary kingdom level above human, which I think started getting into that name like Heaven's Gate. Anyway. It became known as Shilisium and was a way for people to merge their diverse religious backgrounds and coalesce around a shared generalized faith, much like Unitarianism. Um, which followers of new religious sects like Applewhite's crew found a very appetizing alternative to traditional dogmas in Judaism, Catholicism, and Evangelical Christianity. Many of Applewhite and Nettles' crew hailed from these diverse backgrounds. Most of them are described by the researchers that looked at this later as having been longtime truth seekers or spiritual hippies who had long since believed in attempting to find themselves through spiritual means, combining faith in a sort of cultural milieu well into the mid-80s. But that kind of sign of makes it sound like that all their recruits were these sort of leftist hippies, right? But as people, these researchers that, that look back at this noted, a lot of these people weren't far-left alternative hippies. In fact, one such recruit early on was John Craig, a respected Republican running for the Colorado House of Representatives at the time of joining the group in 1975. As recruit numbers grew in its pre-internet days, the clan of UFO followers all seemed to have in common a need for communal belonging in an alternative path to higher existence without the constraints of institutionalized faith. But then something else happened. So in 1985, Nettles died. And up until that point, Nettles was presented as God the Father. And Applewhite was presented as the vehicle which was inhabited by the same spirit which belonged to Jesus. So suddenly there had to be a revision of the doctrines. And at that time with the revision, the crew gained an eventual reputation as a cyber culture, form of religious thought reform. By the mid-90s, the group had become reclusive, calling themselves by the mysterious business name Higher Source, and began recruiting via uploaded internet content. Which, I mean... Wow. It's definitely taken it... Taken that whole, like, next step with how business was changing, definitely. Um, but also, you know... I remember reading about an immortality cult, and when the person died, you know, it was sort of like a bummer for everybody, because they are like, oh yeah, this is a cult of immortality, damn, that guy's dead. But, in this case, can you imagine, like, giving up everything, and, like, believing in all this stuff, and being like, oh man, this person's God, and then they just up and fucking die on you. 
and then the other person that's involved is like, nah, but like, we'll just change what everybody, like what it really means. And we'll just change how, how that person fits into the cosmology and we'll see like who stays. And so like, yeah, the, the group obviously became more reclusive after that. And, you know, by the nineties, rumors began spreading throughout the group in the following years that the upcoming comet hale Bop housed the secret to their ultimate salvation and ascendance into the kingdom of heaven. These rumors continued through various video uploads on the webpage, which gained a mass following, although maybe not of actual followers. People do watch a lot of fail videos on YouTube. In 1996, member of Doe's Applewhite's clan took their internet recruitment and technical savviness to new levels in a large home that they called The Monastery, a 9,000 square foot residence in Rancho Santa Fe, San Diego, uh, near San Diego, California. The home would eventually be a gathering place for the group's final siren call and the closure of Heaven's Gate that the return of the Hellbot Comet signified for them. And it's what the group's webpage still says to this day. So what happened at the end? On March... 19th or 20th, 1997, Marshall Applewhite taped himself speaking of mass suicide and asserted, it was the only way to evacuate this earth. After claiming that a spacecraft was trailing Comet Hale-Bopp, Applewhite persuaded 38 followers to commit suicide so that their souls could board the supposed craft. Applewhite believed that after their deaths, an unidentified flying object would take their souls to another level of existence above human, which he described as being both physical and spiritual. This and other UFO-related beliefs held by the group have led some observers to characterize the group as a UFO religion. In October 1996, the group purchased alien abduction insurance that would cover up to 50 members and would pay $1 million per person. The policy covered abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. The group rented a 9,200 square foot mansion located near Kalina Norte in a gated community of upscale homes in the San Diego area, community of Rancho. Santa Fe, paying $7,000 per month. 38, seven, uh, 38 Heaven's Gate members, plus group leader Applewhite, were found dead in the home on March 26, 
I mean, some of the gnarly parts are that, you know, in the California spring, it was hot. And many of the bodies that were there had been decomposing heavily by the time they were discovered. So bodies were later cremated. What people found out was that the members had taken phenobarbital mixed with applesauce and washed it down with vodka. Additionally, they secured plastic bags around their head after ingesting the mix to induce asphyxiation. Authorities found the dead lying neatly in their own bunk beds, faces and torsos covered by a square purple cloth. Each member carried a $5 bill and three quarters in their pocket. The $5 bill was to cover vacancy fines while members were out on jobs, while the quarters were to make phone calls. All 39 were dressed in identical black shirts and sweatpants. Brand new black and white Nike Decades athletic shoes, an arm bed patches reading Heaven's Gate away team. One of the many instances of the group using Star Trek fictional universe themes in their in group talk. The adherents between the ages of 26 and 72 are believed to have died in three groups over three successive days, with the remaining participants cleaning up after each prior group's deaths. Fifteen members died on March 24th, fifteen more on the 25th, and nine on the 26th. Leader Applewhite was the third to last member to die. Two people remained after him and were the only ones found without bags over their heads. Among the dead was Thomas Nichols, brother of actress Nichelle Nichols, who's best known for her role as Uhura in the original Star Trek television series. Only one of the group's members, Rio D'Angelo, also known as Richard Ford, did not kill himself. He videotaped the mansion in Rancho Santa Fe However, the tape was not shown to the police until 2002, five years after the event. The mass death of the Heaven's Gate group was widely publicized in the media as an example of mass suicide. When the news broke of the suicides and their relation to the comet Hale-Bopp, the co-discoverer of the comet, Alan Hale, was drawn into the story. Hale's phone never stopped ringing for the entire day. Hell did not respond until the next day when he spoke at a PREF conference on the subject, and only after he had researched details of the incident. Hell said that well before the Heaven's Gate, he had told a colleague, we were probably going to have some suicides as a result of the comet. The sad part is that I was not really surprised. Comets are lovely objects, but they don't have apocalyptic significance. We must use our minds, our reasons. Two former members of Heaven's Gate, Wayne Cook and Charlie Humphreys, later committed suicide in a similar manner. Humphreys survived a suicide pact with Cook in 97, 
but ultimately killed himself in February 1998. So that was the end. But let's go back. I mean, what do these people actually believe that got them here? Heaven's Gate members believed that planet Earth was about to be recycled, and the only chance to survive was to leave it immediately. While the group was against suicide, they defined it as, as to turn against the next level when it was being offered. They believed that human bodies were only vessels meant to help them on their journey. In conversation, when referring to a person or their body, they, they routinely used the word vehicle. They believed to be eligible in the next level, humans had to shed every attachment to the planet. This meant they had to give up all their human-like characteristics, such as family, friends, sexuality, individuality, jobs, money, and possessions. I mean, this is like what all cults do, right? They had this thing called the evolutionary level above human, or T-E-L-A-H, which was... Uh, as a physical, corporeal place, another world in our universe where residents live in pure bliss and nourish themselves by absorbing pure light. At the next level, beings do not engage in sexual intercourse, eating or dying, or the things that make us mammalian here. Heavenscape believed that the Bible calls, but, but like what the Bible calls God, is actually a highly developed extraterrestrial. So they basically thought that like all other religions were falsely represented as God, by evil extraterrestrials. I, I shit you not. Um, basically, they, that these, these people used like uh, spacecraft, time travel, telepathy, and longevity, and holograms to fake mir miracles, and like did this to like control humanity. Crazy. So there were some techniques that they used to enter the next level. According to Heaven's Gate, one of the individual has, like, when the individual has perfected themselves through the process, there were four methods to graduate to the next level. And basically, physical pickup on the Tela, transfer to a next level body aboard the craft. Sounds like suicide. Natural death or death from random violence. That's a graduating soul. Outside persecution that leads to death. And willful exit of the body in a dignified manner. These were like the ways in which you could be teleported out onto the ship. So it sort of blows my mind. Like, how do these people even make it? And like, how do these people stay in? So like, one of the things that they did is... They were only open to people over the age of 18. So by like keeping it just to people that age, they didn't end up with any kids in there. So they weren't really breaking any laws initially. Um, and then it, one of the things that male members of the group did, eight of the male members of the group, including Applewhite, voluntarily underwent castration as, as a way of... Um, performing very very like extremely to their aesthetic lifestyle and, and it's like 
once you're in, you're like in at that point, right? I mean, you're all in. It's all in. And also, like, they had access to capital, which, like, cults typically suck that up from their members. But in this one, the group earned revenues by offering professional website development services for paying clients under the name Higher Source. Which is just so crazy to me. It's like dot-com era cult business, right? I mean, it's insane. The weirdest thing to me is that despite all this stuff having happened and everything being totally over, right? Like, these, these folks died in 1997. You can actually, like, still go to their website. Their website is still up to this day. And you can go and ask questions about Heaven's Gate. For anybody that's curious out there, I definitely would tell you, go check it out. Go ask questions. Go see what you can find about Heaven's Gate on your own. I mean, it's such a bizarre thing. and Cults are so interesting. Um, like I said, there, there is the website is still up, and there are two representatives that still run the archived website and answer, answer questions about the cult. So if you still have questions and are interested about this particular cult, Go and, go and ask those questions. Get those answers. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's been a weird time. Thank you.